Judge is ready. Knock, knock. Who's there? Forensics faces. Forensics faces who? We take a few extra days to get an episode out and you've already forgotten who we are? Is that the opening joke? (sighs) Give me a break, Graves. In between holidays and shit is going down. But a knock, knock joke? I said, break to me. You will give. Okay. (laughs) Happy holidays. This This is Forensics Forensics Faces. Faces. Now get me a cocktail, please. Melissa. <laughs> How's it going? Well, you know, uh, it's pretty good. I can't complain about much in life. How about you? Good. I just got a picture of Herbert Kohler sent to me on my watch because I work on a project with him for work and I just found out that we just successfully now have officially completed it. That's sweet. Yay. Yay. So now I'm in like an even better mood. But All right. Yeah. Things are, things are good. Stressful because the end of the year is always stressful for me work-wise, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, otherwise it's I. <laughs> it's I. <laughs> how, how are audiobook narrator things going for you? Um, going really well, actually. So yeah, I'm working on my third one right now and I think the fourth one is lined up, mm. but it was through very unconventional means that the author reached out to me directly. So Interesting. we will see if that uh, pans out as I hope it does. So crossing my fingers. Um, yeah. You. Otherwise there's a bunch of other auditions out there and hopefully those turn out well. As well. Yay. Yay. So um, Forensics After Dark happened this past weekend. Mm. You weren't there. As what now is like the thing. But here's the thing. I have a lot of people who are asking us when we will do this again and they want it to happen more than once a year. So So, the spring again. Yeah, we can try that. And hopefully my childhood best friend isn't getting married and I'm not standing up in their wedding. I think I'm out of childhood best friends now. So I think I'm good. They're all wiped out. Not because they're married, not because they're, they're dead. No. Okay. They're, they're all wifed out. Oh, wifed. I thought you said wiped no, out. No, they're all wiped out. They're I'm just out like of so childhood friends. dead. I just, I was, I like, just was sick wow. of having them. Such a burden. Relationships with people. So anyways, Forensics After Dark happened. Yes. It happened uh, in Sheboygan last Friday. Mm-hmm. It happened on Saturday in Milwaukee. So do we know who won? The Civil War of the Forensics After Dark? Um, if I had to judge, I would say the Milwaukee one. Oh. Um, only, well, not only because we had several performers who did both. Um, but I think in regards to space, Milwaukee one, the Alchemist theater, which I had not been to before is such a great venue for that activity. Um, I loved it. I think that's, that's a great space. I hope they keep letting us do it there. Um, Whereas at Paradigm, it's now on the big stage and a larger thing. And there's something about the intimate atmosphere of it that just, I think, worked better at Alchemist. I will also say that I think the funniest piece that I watched happened at the one down south. So By who? It was a pair of uh, Carrie Baker, fourth shout out in a row for Carrie Baker, um, who also organized the south uh Forensics After Dark, she had two students who were speech kids come back and do a duo that they wrote. Oh, God. And they interpret as they see like duo through the eyes of speakers. And I thought it was so funny. Um, Like so well done. They they picked at all of the tropes of duoisms that 
they just drive you nuts after a certain period of time. Um, and they did it really smartly and really well. So I, that had me laughing a lot. And there were a lot of other great pieces at both events. Um, Ben Kroll, as usual, finds some really disturbing things. (laughs) Peter Woods gets up and scars me every time. I love you, Peter. I know you don't listen, but maybe I'll get you to listen to this one. So you just know how much I love you and wish I was there to to watch you make people physically uncomfortable. (laughs) He does such a great job. So So, good. And so we're so thankful that he came up to Sheboygan and then did it again in Milwaukee. And like in general, he just like keeps uh, pushing forensics on people and saying what a great activity it is. So yeah. Um, he does sometimes a better job of that than even I do. Dang. I know. We're dishing out compliments. Yeah, no. I, I liked I liked that group. I liked everybody who did stuff quite a bit. Um, so thank you if you were one of the performers at either of those events. We had a really great time. And um, tell your friends because yeah. we will for sure do it next year. Uh, at the Thanksgiving time again. Yeah, but hopefully uh, we'll have us, a springtime again. Yeah, hopefully again. we'll have another one. We love new performers and we love new audience members. Yes. And it all, in a roundabout way, benefits the uh, forensics teams that are hosting it. So Yes. So uh, do it. Yeah. It's fun. It's great. So yeah, if, if anything could have been improved, it would have been bigger audiences at both events. Yeah. It would have been nice to have more people there. So I'm just so sad that I miss it because every year for Thanksgiving, I... My parents live in New York State now in Watertown, and so the last two years, my brother and I, with varying guests, have driven out to see them, and so I just end up missing out. Yeah. Well, how was your trip since uh, it was it was segued wonderful. So well. I yeah, the, we we drive thirteen hours, but we go through Canada both ways, and we go through Ontario, and Ontario has on routes, which are like the most beautiful version of like a wayside rest stop ever. They're like so clean and tidy and nice. And there's Tim Hortons in them and I can get fancy donuts 24 seven. And I'm here for that. Um, But yeah, it was just nice to be with my family. And I went and took my niece to see Moana with my parents. And my father has seen like seven movies in theaters ever. And so I just kept like looking over to him to see him reacting to like what he thought was funny. And it was just, it's one of those things where I haven't gone to a kid's movie with a kid in a really long time. And I also haven't gone with anyone who wasn't just like my friend. So being there with like who are considered the target audience, like my parents' generation and my niece's generation, and just like watching the different things they laughed at and things they laughed at together. Mm-hmm. And it's just a it's just one a beautiful film, like visually, but also like emotionally. Aww. I cried just a little bit. My niece got freaked out because I was crying. Those darn Disney films, they <sighs> really tend to get you. They do. And that and that darn Lynn Memo Miranda getting me in the feels again will he win an oscar yes okay he there wasn't much (laughs) in his way no so So getting that egot he'll actually i heard somebody on a podcast refer to it as his pigot because he also also has the the pulitzer i don't know how i feel about a (laughs) pigot but hey why not if if you want it he got a pigot yeah but i i left for new york the day you got back from New York. Yeah. John and I took a trip to New York City for a long weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and had just like a great chill time. Like we, and neither one of us is like super into the touristy things, mm-hmm. mostly because he's seen them all already and yeah. I lack and you don't a do soul. Tourists. Yeah. So I, 
That's why. It's because you don't have a soul. Yeah. Well, or well, you know, my my dark personality doesn't really appreciate being around that many other people. You're just not here for rock. As much Center. as I appreciate be the convenience of staying midtown and like being around Times Square mm-hmm. when we go, like I just, hate actually walking through Times Square. I, I also so hate it. People. I find it so like emotionally overwhelming. Uh, I, I hate standing in there. I'm like, how can people even stand here to take pictures? I just want to like. Get me in a dark corner in Hell's Kitchen so I can get away from here. Right. So we explored some of the other neighborhoods. We went to Bryant Park. We went Beautiful. through Central Park, obviously. Um, we explored the Lower East Side for a bit. Uh, we saw five shows while we were there. I'm so proud of you. Over the course of five days, including travel days. Um, highlights of the weekend were definitely... Uh, seeing Dear Evan Hansen. I, oh gosh! I'm Are so you jealous. mimicking my yes, hand I'm gestures? I'm making fun of you because I knew I'm, I'm. I'm anticipating what you're going to say. I'm just yeah. like guessing. Dear Evan and they Hansen. They can't see it. So. so Dear Evan Hansen is a new musical. If you haven't heard of it, they just started previews. I think they open like December third or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, so uh, yeah, I think they open this this weekend. That oh, this show. It's an original storyline. Which if you've ever heard my other podcast, Roll Call, I bemoan these movies turned into musicals all the time and I just loved seeing an original story with such great music Pasek and Paul are such great writers mm-hmm. um, and Ben Platt is legit phenomenal oh. like he sounds incredible he looks incredible he takes your heart out of your chest and throws it on the stage and then bounces up and down on it for a little <laughs> while. And then Rachel Bay Williams, who plays his mom, comes and tenderly picks it up and puts it back inside of you and Aww. then pats you on the chest and says, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> How nice of her. And it all happens in song. Ugh. And damn it, if life could just be like that all the time, I would love it. So that was a trip highlight. My other highlight was meeting like one of my podcasting heroes, Patrick Hines of the Theater People podcast, who also hosts the Broadway Con podcast and also just started Broadway Backstory, which is a great podcast that dives deep into the creation of musicals from an idea to a full Broadway production. And their first two episodes were all about In the Heights. <gasps> the one about Fun Home just came out this week. Done and done. Oh Adding my God. to my list. Such a great. Like and I like, don't have enough Broadway Backstory podcasts. is like full on NPR storytelling. Yeah. Like, just really, really smart and really, really great. So it was so great to get to meet him. He was so sweet. His husband and his daughter came along and we just went out for breakfast on Saturday and talked his ear off for like an hour and a half. And <laughs> now I feel like we're we're besties. You're like so, such good friends now. So we're mentioning his podcast again, uh, which actually puts us in good company because guess who else just mentioned his podcast recently? Who? RuPaul and Michelle Visage. Yeah. On their podcast. Oh my goodness. They, yeah. So he's getting so checked by a lot of really uppity up people as is a personal goal (laughs) in the lives of Kurt and I the closer we get to RuPaul as people in the seven steps the better off we are and you just got yourself another step closer exactly I I am also now one degree of separation from Laura Benanti (gasps) which oh my gosh yes so okay can I tell you a secret yes all right so (laughs) <laughs> like our visit went so well he's like stay in touch because we're like we come back every couple years to New mm-hmm. York and he was like oh my god let me know and he's like and let me know when you're coming because I can ask Laura to come and I was like what do you do then <laughs> like how do you how do you maintain you die composure a little. you die a little I'm like trying to keep my skull in place right now <laughs> like, just hearing that I know what would you have done in, like also just like casually calling her Laura like what do you do well, okay so here's the thing like <laughs> 
I did jokingly say to him in our messages leading up to this, I was like, uh-huh. oh, and Benanti's invited. If, you, if, she, if she'll feel left out, you can let her come. And I was like, what if he actually does it? Oh my <laughs> like, God, if you and John had walked up and she's just like sitting there in beautiful like breakfast outfit glory. like Glowing from her pregnancy. Of course. Like I can't even imagine the gaps that would have been like emitted from you. I, if you would yeah. like, if you just sent me like a, like a, like a picture of you with her, I would have just... I would just scream. Yeah. So no matter where I would just yell. new life goal in two years, meet Laura Benanti. Oh, yes. yes because yes. Oh my Patrick, gosh, I'm Patrick so says he you. can maybe make it happen. <sighs> so please, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's like a 10% chance of actually happening. Yes. But I am basing the rest of my life for the next two years on that taking place. Um, no press. Um, Wolf song. Giveaway. This is the last one. So listeners, this is our last episode of Two Taboo for the Tab Room. This is it. So if you want a copy of the book, there are still free copies to have. All you have to do is tweet at Forensics Faces. Use the hashtag Wolf Song. Just say something about wolves at this point. I don't even care. Wolf, wolf, wolf. Yeah, just say something and uh, I Find a good wolf gif. There are a lot of good, like, like... GIFs yeah, slash gifts, whichever one you prefer. I will use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. But just put in a just like a real a, a good good wolf gif. Yeah. So um and if you need the recommendation or like the motivation to listen to this book, um, I will point out that it was just selected as one of Audible's five star faves for the month of November. Like next to Trevor Noah's new book, next to Rhonda Rousey's new book, oh my next gosh. to Sherman Alexi's <gasps> new book. Like oh, I am telling you guys, I just got goosebumps. Like, if you look, find me on Facebook and cause I, I put this out there or I, I tweeted it out on Twitter as well. Like look at that list of people that like little Kurt Graves and TJ Klune wolf song is next to. Oh my gosh. I'm it's so proud of you. Crazy. So, You've done so many, your life is just so cool. <sighs> like that's nuts. That's crazy. But apparently it was really well liked by enough people that Audible gave us a little boost. I have no idea by what metric they actually choose those five-star faves. Maybe it's just like randomly picking five-star reviews and then you get put in something, but like I just did the seven of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fine with whatever reason by which that happened. So congratulations. Thank you, Audible. Um, so yeah, get get a free Audible credit just by tweeting at us. Nice. So let's talk about Too Taboo for the Tab Room, I shall know, we? I know, Marnie said that it's almost over. I know. This has been my favorite. It's been a lot of fun, but we'll have a lot of fun when we attack We've got all sorts of other thing. cool stuff yes, coming up. So. There's, there's so many things to look forward to. Um, so we have gotten, on, on this series, I think we have certainly gotten more feedback than than ever before ever ever before so um we're gonna do a little speed round yes. and we're just gonna go through some of the things that our listeners brought up to us as things that we should either expand upon like maybe they were mentioned briefly but we mm-hmm. should talk more about them um or things that we hadn't thought to bring up and so we're gonna talk about that here so speed round number one plagiarism Yeah, so we've talked about this before in context of like what happened at State a couple years ago. Yes. Um, But so in an original speech, obviously we want the student to write it because it's called an original Original speech. speech. Um, But I guess what it comes down to is like if we are looking out for plagiarism, my question is who is responsible for making sure this doesn't happen? And then... Like, if you're that person, like, where's the line? Mm-hmm. Like, with so many TED Talks, with so many orations available online, 
with so many podcasts and, and whatnot, like you could get inspired from something, but then where's the line when inspiration turns into plagiarism? Yeah. So I will let you say some words now. Oh gosh. Um, my feeling about it is like from a coach perspective, I feel like it's my job to catch that and be the one who finds that as we've talked about before, being someone who is overly involved and needs to have her hand in all of the jars all at once. I find it to be not just my student's responsibility, but my responsibility as their coach to stop that from happening. Uh, one thing that I know other coaches have their students do is like keep the biblio like they have to maintain a bibliography mm -hmm. like while they're writing their speech. And so it might be that I have to then go check out the bibliography and read the stuff that they're like taking these quotes from and seeing like whether or not they've taken some of that stuff. You can also sure. always uh, ask if an English teacher can plug your student's speech into one of those like plagiarism things mm -hmm. or like telling your student like you can't bring this to compete until your English teacher has plugged this in and you, you bring me back the result. Uh, but I think that it's not just a student's responsibility, but it also relies on a coach. But from a judge perspective, it's so hard for me. Right. A lot of the times it's mostly me like writing a note about it. I've never had someone like really blatantly plagiarize in a speech that I've like flat out max noticed. But there have been times where I've been like, huh, um, about that thing that you said. It, I've heard that before in almost the exact same wording. Mm -hmm. Please be aware of plagiarism because there are people who are more knowledgeable than me. Yeah. Or at least attribute it if you're taking somebody's words. Yeah. It's not like, that hard. You know, like you can do that in a speech. You can quote You can people. just quote somebody. It's okay. It's a lot. Yeah. You can use other people's words to support your point. You just have to say that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I totally agree. It is the coach's responsibility. They should catch it before it gets to competition. Um, I like what you said about being a judge who will mention it on the critique sheet. I think yeah. that's a really appropriate place to do that. Um, hopefully all coaches are checking those critique sheets. So then they will see that. And they, if they haven't noticed it or seen it already, they will have the chance to look into it. Um, and yeah, if you get all the way to state and you haven't seen a written version of your kid's speech and it turns out to be plagiarized, I think that's on you coach. Like as, as much, as much as it. the student like should know better, you know, we are there to be a resource and to, to help them in that way. So yeah, yeah you Make sure you're looking for it. And regardless of how stubborn the kid is, you got to you gotta see what they have written. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that plagiarism is not just in physical speech form. I believe that plagiarism can apply in a semi like off like kilter definition of the word in the physicality being used in interpieces when someone is doing an interpiece that they had seen in a national final round and copying mm -hmm. a lot of the same blocking that the person in that round had been doing, or even when schools um, recycle pieces, which we'll talk about later. And well, why don't then, we talk about it now? Okay. We can move on. Uh, the idea of recycling pieces, and sometimes they'll use a lot of the same blocking that mm -hmm. they have done when it had been done before. And yes, there there's only a finite amount of things a human body can do within the rules of like interp, but at the same time, like, 
That just makes me, that's another one of the things that makes me go, hmm. Yeah, so this was one that came in again from a listener because we kind of touched on it. Um, yes. When we had the conversation about like how much is too much help when it comes to coaching uh, somebody who's writing a speech. And then it came back and be like, well, what about when the coach makes up everything for the inter pieces? Because that's probably happening too. Um, and so in this in this context, I said recycling inter pieces because I think that's what happens most yeah. of the time is, you know, the coach will have worked on it with a student before and then they bring that knowledge back to it, you know, two or three years later. Um this also came up when we were talking about uh, the CFL rules yes. that changed in Louisville because mm-hmm. there was a proposal to have, you know, copying and interpret piece be considered against the rules, um, which, again, the intention we agreed with. But we were like, how? Yeah, there's no way to how, regulate it. Yeah, there's like you can't you can't monitor that. Um, but like, obviously, that is something that, again, as a coach, if you're thinking, oh, that's fine. We're here to tell you it's not. Um, if you're a coach who's resorted to doing that in the past, like even just using your own stuff again, like we strongly encourage you to use that student's creativity to come up with more. Yeah. And if they don't want to, well, then that's on them. Yep. You know, like we, we get it. You want the kid to be successful. You want to give them all the tools. Um, and sometimes the easiest route to that is just putting them into a performance that you've already seen. Yeah. But that. That's not what the activity is about. And and when you're doing that, you're not giving them tools. Like you're handing them the finished product and letting them hold it. Sure. Like yeah. giving them giving them tools is telling them like how to break down, like how to snap with your body. It's like showing them like this is something that someone did. I want your energy level to match this. Or like I want us to try something similar to this, but not the same. And the idea of like just like handing them the finished product so that you get them off of your case and you get you think it's what's successful that's just the sort of thing that makes me sad yeah agreed so all right next cool. one draw room etiquette yes and the fact that everyone who runs a draw room runs them differently yeah. as is their prerogative but draw rooms are like already kind of a weird scary place uh and so when like decorum and etiquette aren't maintained in them by not only just like the person running the draw room, but the students who are participating in it. Like it is not, it's not fun. Like hearing back from students who like are in draw rooms that are, I don't know what term to use, but just like are just like the wild, wild west of, yeah. of draw rooms where their rules aren't being followed, like quiet isn't being maintained. And it's just like, not a good environment. So, and I think that was uh, our listeners main objection. Um, I think, I hope I interpreted this correctly, uh, is that oftentimes in draw rooms, there will be teams uh, where like several students are there from the same team. Mm-hmm. And that is an easy time in which to get boisterous because there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. But if you're not one of the people who is actively working on your speech or your radio presentation, you have to recognize that there are other people there who, who already are. are. Um, so making sure that you follow the rules, you are respectful, you are quiet. There is plenty of time outside of the draw room, outside of the prep room to be able to, to socialize. And Mm -hmm. we encourage that. We want you to make friends while you're there, but like, come on guys, like in, in a typical uh, competition room, there's lots of downtime in which the students just sit quietly because that's what's expected. The judge is working on filling out the ballot or finishing up their last critique and the students have to sit there respectfully, quietly, 
and they just wait in silence. And it's a little awkward for them. I remember it well, but get over it. Yep. And be better. And, and again, it's not just on the person who's running the tab room, although tournament host should always make sure that the person that they are setting to run their tab room is someone who feels empowered to be authoritative, but it's also on coaches letting their students know that if they want people to be quiet in the draw room, it's partially their responsibility to encourage others to do so. Amen. All right. Next one. All right. Uh, this is one that like when it was brought to my attention by a listener, I was like, yes, heart emoji. <laughs> I love this because I, I had just talked to my kids about this this week and it is skipping final rounds. And N- nope. Not on uh-uh. my watch. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope, and, nope, nope. And it came are- up. It came up at the meeting. We we did our meeting this week. Like, what does a typical tournament day look like? Mm-hmm. And we go through the schedule. And one of my new kids was like, well, what if you don't go to final rounds? Then what do you do? And I was like, good question. You go to a final a round. round. You go observe. And they're like, oh, you can do that? And I was like, yes. In fact, you must do that. My kids are not allowed to not do it. I. Mm-hmm. It used to be easier for me to enforce when I was doing less, like, actual, like, tab room helping and stuff. But even so, my students do it with each other. There is two excuses for you to not be watching or participating in a final round. One of them is sickness. The other is death. So <laughs> I was like, what's the second one? Because I would only accept illness. Yeah, there is, <laughs> so. there's no excuse. Yes, you have homework. There are plenty of other times to be doing it. You cannot do it 45 minutes because you wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. it if you had made it to the final round. So that time schedule doesn't fly with me. Right. You don't want to watch your the same competitors you've watched all day. Fine. There are plenty of other things to do. Do you have a aspirational category that you want to be like, you want to try to go to? Then go watch the final round to see people who are good in that category. You want to, you had a really crappy, sad day. You've had a tough week. Then go watch Solo Hum. You like want to support your teammates. Then you go to the rounds where you know there aren't going to be a lot of people. A lot of people aren't going to mm-hmm. go watch a spec Oc round. Right. So go watch your teammates who might have finaled in spec Oc. There is... No reason not to be in a final round. Those kids need those audiences. L- give them. And and you need to see what's going on in those rooms. If you're not one of the people who made it into the room, you need to go see why not. Gotta you be know, in see, the room. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you. I was worried we'd get through this without a Hamilton reference. Oh, how dare we? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. For, so on our team, um, this is mandatory. Yep. Uh, I think it should be mandatory across the board. It should be. I am not shy about this. There, There is room in these final rounds for observers. Kids should go see the quality of work that is making it into final rounds. Mm-hmm. And if you're not learning to be a great performer, then you're going in to learn to be a great listener because some of y'all got problem with that too. Yeah. Yeah. So again, on my team, I, was, I just flat out said, I was like, if I walk out and I see that you're sitting there and not watching a final round, like I will usher you to one. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but the, the one I went to, I wanted to go to already started. Then you wait outside for that performance to end. Yeah. And then you go in during applause. Like it's just like normal. A judge is not going to be upset that you wanted to come observe. If you're a good observer, they're going to be excited that more people wanted to be in the audience for that round. Yep. Like just go. Yep, I've done it. And coaches, make your kids go. It's to their I, benefit. I have, I have walked them to the room. I was like, what? Oh, and it was something terrible too. I was like, oh, this was back when group discussion was a thing. I was like, you ever seen group discussion? No. I was like, let's go watch group discussion. Way to call my like inaugural category terrible. Okay, as an observer, do you want to sit in on group discussion? If it's a really good one, it can be really fun. Could have been really fun. Yeah, R.I.P. We'll see. It's gone now. Um, all right. And our final speed round topic, final round critiques. 
Why doesn't did I say critiques weird? I just you just hit you just like final round critiques. critiques. You just hit that. Why cuss. doesn't everyone do them? So this is this was the listener saying like, hey, students love to know why they got the rank they got in rounds one through three. Why don't we do that for final round? Uh huh. I'm on the fence about this. I am too. I see his point. As a coach. I agree that it's really nice to have those comments when you're on the bus and your kid went one, 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 and then four, five, six in final round. Like it's nice to hear yep. to get some justification. It's and and anytime you're getting more feedback, that's good for the kids. Like there's nothing to argue with there. But but also <sighs> judges just hate it so much. And I think we put enough on our judges. My for me as a judge, the thing is is that I feel like I can be a better final round judge if I can pay attention to the performance as wholly as possible. Like if I don't have to worry about how to properly word something or if I don't have to be like overly concerned with like rank justification, like but knowing that I because I still I have my like ranking method that I use Mm -hmm. my, my little grid of rank. And so that for me, in my mind, shows me how rank justification works in my mind. But I just feel like in the final round, like do the atmosphere of it all. Like it just for me as a judge feels better to be able to be wholly involved in the performance. So as you spoke, I had some things run through my head, which were when I judge a final round, I I take notes. Like it's yeah, not that I'm not taking notes. Plenty of people still do that. It's I just don't. It's just that I am... Like you said, I'm not worried about the students seeing those notes. Yeah. So I can be really brief. I can, you know, I can write things as nastily as I need to. So they, <laughs> you know, because like in, without any context, these things would sound nasty. And yeah. I wouldn't ever put them on, you know, on a student's critique sheet yeah. that way. Um, yeah. Geez. The noises from our table. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I would never like it's, it's put them that way to a student, but I can put them in my own notes and I'll remember what that meant. Yeah. Um, so like I am, I am already taking notes and I wonder, you know, if the true reason for wanting this is a justification of rank. I wonder if we just had final round sheets that just had that. Just justification just of rank. Justification of rank. Like you don't have to put any other notes, but like at the very least the person who went fifth, you could, you know, say like, this was the part of your performance. I, you know, I could see improving the most and that would be, you know, would get you in, in a more competitive spot. I would feel like unless judges are doing it, because if it's just like, if it just says energy, I would be like, and then they got a five. I'd be like, well, yeah, but that's true of any critique. I mean, you yeah. can, you'll have good but ones it, and you'll like, have bad ones. Yeah. A student is like, if they were one of those one, 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 and then they got a five and it's like, um, well, but okay. I mean, as, as a coach, so I'll I've, say this though. Like if you have that happen in a final round and the comment was energy, then you might need to have a conversation with a student about making sure their energy stays up after lunch, yeah, fair. you know, cause you could be great in the morning and really like blah in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, I understand where from a coaching aspect, people want to have that to not just have feedback, but also as a way to comfort a student and to explain why something happened. Cause it can be really frustrating. There've been instances where, I would have paid money to have gotten final round ranks when I had a student who was up until that point an amazing competitor and then didn't end up going to her to a national tournament her senior year because something oh, like, happened yeah. in her final round. The, yeah. Uh, and so the comments, not yeah, ranks. Yeah. yeah, just getting any sort of justification of why that happened to her. But at the same time, like it's one of those things where we get to use it as a lesson for our students is that sometimes you just don't get to know why. 
Like that's how it works in the real world. Sometimes you don't, you don't get to know why it didn't happen for you. Hmm. Lessons yeah, learned. But sometimes they do. I know. So but just like I think I'm, I think I'm coming down in favor of a justification of rank, if okay. not a full critique sheet. I, that's where I'm landing. I, uh, I believe that it is up to tournament hosts to decide. Uh, and that as a judge, I don't love doing it. As a coach, I understand why it exists. No, yeah. don't be surprised if at Sheboygan North this year, judges, you are asked for a justification of rank in a final round. Yeah. Even if there are no other comments. Because I think that's, it's interesting. It's worthy of exploration. Yes. All right, and so we've finished up our speed round, and now we're yes. we're, gonna, we're gonna take some we're gonna take some time yeah. to talk about something that I did not realize until we were like looking at what we were gonna talk about in this episode. Just how passionate I am about this topic, <laughs> which is the way that we as people conduct ourselves and handle award ceremonies in our community. Yes. I'm doing such weird shoulder things right now. Nobody would have known except nope, for me. But I, I just, wasn't saying I, anything. If my, I don't. Just the way it goes. Um, one of the things I think is really cool about forensics and something that I think keeps kids coming back is the way that we treat award ceremonies, how much like, like pomp and circumstance there gets to be in that. Like there's the stage and the lights and Mm -hmm. like the trophies and everything. And it just looks cool. And it's a way to have your community and your peers acknowledge you in a way that you don't always get from other activities. So I put a lot of effort and thought into how my students are told to conduct themselves and seeing the way that other coaches don't do that makes me upset. Okay. So let's start there. Students, uh, decorum phones. at an award ceremony. Phones, phones, phones. Yeah. My put students the phones away. are allowed to take their phones out to take photographs of their yep. teammates. If their teammates have asked them to, but otherwise if I see you on your phone during the award ceremony, I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get it back. And no talking. Conversations no. need to be shut down. My, my own kids are guilty of this because they'll start snickering about something and talking. Yep. And like then they get the eye and the, shh, and the you guys, uh, you know, up until like having to separate kids, which thankfully I haven't had to do. But I would. Oh, I've I wouldn't think twice about it if yeah. two kids just kept talking through the whole thing. Like that's not what we're there to do. Nope. Um. Yeah, and I guess really what it comes down to is like coaches have to set expectations for their own teams at these things. Um, And again, this is something I don't know as a new coach, I knew to do that. You just, so if you're new and you haven't done the activity before, no, like this is part of your checklist. You better talk to your kids about how they behave at those award ceremonies. Um, Because like like what you just said, this is our chance to celebrate the people in our own activity Mm -hmm. who have done well that day. Yes. Some of those people get up on that stage every week and they they deserve our respect but some of those kids it's the first or only time yep. they will get a room full of hundreds of people clapping for them be respectful pay attention um which by the way also makes the whole thing go by more efficiently yes you know if the person who's up there has to constantly wait for the chatter to die down Um, you know, and I think we've both been in that position. Like when you're the person up there who has to like read the awards and as one group walks off stage and the next one walks up, there's like this wall of sound that suddenly starts because everybody wants to start chatting because there's like two seconds of inactivity. How dare we? Like, then you got to wait until everybody's quiet again and the whole thing takes longer. So yeah, if you're just generally quiet and respectful and 
take the time to get enthused about what's happening up on stage at an awards ceremony, the whole thing will be much more pleasant for everyone involved. And those kids who are being honored on that particular day will get the respect that they deserve. Yes. And not have to worry about it being taken away from them. Right. So uh, that's sort of a segue into like being the person who is setting up the awards ceremony, at which point I would like to address the coaches who like to make their awards ceremonies fun or cute in some way. Don't look at me like that. I'm not. You're not one of these people. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Uh, Sheboygan South every year does a randomized order of presentation but for trophies. But that doesn't trophies. make the thing longer. You're, okay, good. You're not like having theme music in between things. You're not <laughs> throwing a dance before the awards ceremony. You're like just... You think switching up the order? I makes thought that it was something fun and cute that you no, were gonna it's like. Poo-poo extremely upon. frustrating, and everybody hates it. But it is not fun or cute. Oh, I don't care. I love it. I love getting to decide that order and think. I, for me, one of the I things is that random. like I thought it was random. It's, Melissa. It's, it is random because mm-hmm. I almost mm-hmm. always. The only thing that's not random about it is I almost always start with a category that's towards the end because. Almost always by the time you get to solo acting and storytelling, people are just worn out from clapping, and there's less like care for it. So I always try to like put something like that towards the beginning so they get to have that like rush of enthusiasm before people who don't encourage their students to keep giving it crap for the whole 27 minutes or however long mm. it is. Then they get to still have that rush. But otherwise, I just sort of like have my students shout out categories and then write them down. And if it's already been said, then I just we pick another one and then just go. Okay. You know, cool life. But we don't we don't. Yeah, we don't have theme music Mm-mm. that plays or um, like flashy light shows. Well, I, I, I mean, I do love the Apple Denise like curtain reveal at the beginning. Of yes, theirs. that's a totally separate. That's thing. fun. Yeah. But, but like during the thing, like we've been to those award ceremonies where like they play a special song for every one of the categories and we sit there and wait. Or like if the coach thinks they're being funny and wants to make jokes or talk about how cool it is to finally be able to do this award ceremony thing. We don't like any of it. No. Focus on the kids. Focus on what's happening in their lives and their categories and just do I guess yeah, I've never thought about that, but it's it's kind of selfish to like to do something because you want to it's because you want to stick out and not because it's what it's going to benefit the students. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, I always encourage people to do interesting things with their tournament to like keep up the like enthusiasm for the activity. But yeah, award ceremonies are not my place to do that. It's the end of the day. We're all on a schedule. Let's just, let's go through the awards. And again, if everybody has already taught their children to be respectful about it, then we don't have to worry about holding their intention with something fun or cute. No. Moving on. Um, uh, This is one that gets me. This is the one where I was like, I didn't realize how much this upset me, which is the idea of coaches taking their teams home early. Like there are obviously always various reasons to do this, but it's one of those things where there, there are teams that just perpetually always do it. They just don't stay for awards if their kids don't mm-hmm. break. And I think that the message that that sends is not a kind one. It's, it's a struggle. I mean, and it happened to me last year for the first time in that we had a team where no one broke. Yep. So there was there was no one to be able to like, no, we're going to stay and we're going to support so them. So and so. Um, but, I mean, obviously, we do that. Mm-hmm. We stay because they're your fellow competitors, whether they go to your school or not. Yeah. We're there to honor what they have done. Um, 
And then, I mean, what where it happens the most frequently is when it's our home tournaments, like South or North. I always have kids who want to leave before the award ceremony. No, I and kids- it's like, no, you have to stay. Like this is part of the experience. It's part of the activity. It's important. You you compete. And then at the end of the day, you acknowledge the you, students it's what you signed who did up to the do. best. Yes. Like, yes, you're in your hometown. I had two students just decide that they could leave without telling me, which is totally scary to do. They did it at your tournament. And so the two of them were not allowed to compete for the next tournament because, and they weren't allowed to attend. They weren't allowed to come to a meeting. They weren't allowed to be part of the team because by doing that and leaving, they were saying, I'm not a part of this team. I don't acknowledge the rules. I don't have to follow decorum. Like, I can do whatever I want. And that's not what it is. When you sign up to go to a tournament, you sign up to be there from registration to first place, large team. Like you sign up to do that whole thing and like deciding not to do that because you like want to get back early. Girl, we all want to get back early. Plus if we're in our hometown, like we're already there early, but okay. So skipping off, getting off of the, uh, when we're in our hometown and our kids want to leave, there are, there are teams that, and again, Illness is one thing. Like I, I have had coaches come to me at my tournament and say, I have a kid who's really not feeling well. I'd like us to get on the bus early. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we go? I've had coaches do that when they had people in final rounds. Yep. So then you know it's serious. Like yep. somebody's ill. Of course, every year there's some kids who have prom on some tournament and they need to yeah. get back. Or like for us, our issue is almost always our like plays. Yeah. You know, like there are reasons people need to leave early, but to take the whole team home nah, just because nobody cool. advanced and like the only reason is that you just don't want to have to stick around. Like then you're missing part, a big part of what we do, Yep. Uh, which is not only to compete, but to celebrate those who have done well that day. Yeah. And I know that there are like, there are plenty of schools that have to travel a really far distance to compete uh, because the area that their school is located isn't nearly as popular because a lot of our competition is located in like this certain area of our state, mm-hmm. which I understand. But at the same time, like you're just, you sign up to participate for the whole day, like be there for the whole day. Yeah. Also, it's, it sends a message to your students that if they don't want to do something, they don't have to. And that's bull crap because adulthood is doing nothing but things you don't want to do, but have to. Right. And you're not saving that much time. It's tw- it's literally like 25 to 30 minutes, unless well, it's some I guess prairie. the award ceremony. As I say that, I take it back because I guess by the time, like you realize before final rounds even start, whether or not you've had any kids break. And so some people try to bail even before final rounds, which is another no-no because you might be assigned to judge one of those final yeah, rounds. Yeah, and then you're like walking in like, um, I'd like to leave with my kids early because I'm broke. Can you not assign me? And it's like, excuse me, no. Yeah. You're asking me to stop my tournament to make a solitary like, like accommodation for you. And- no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even do that for you. And you're like one of my favorite people. So like, I mean, I'm sorry. But I would never ask. That. Exactly. You wouldn't ask that because you know that that's a horrible thing to like. Expect I don't someone ask to, to leave do. early from the South tournament. I show up two hours <laughs> early to help Ben with balancing things. Yay. But it's one of those. It's, oh, my God. Who's going to bring us coffee this year? Hollis graduated. Oh, my gosh. I guess your fiance will have to do that. Okay. Well, he brings us our midday snack. True. If anyone would like to volunteer to bring us our coffee <laughs> early morning. I, any of my current students at South or ideas who are listening to it, I bet I could get Sarah Bartle to do it. Okay. She's my coffee. She's, she's my, she's my fair trade. I just realized like, oh, that girl graduated. Oh, Donnie Hollis, how dare you? Way off topic. Anyway, no, but the idea that you are, it's, it's one of those things again, where it's just really selfish and it's almost always a coach deciding to do it because I think it's what their students want to do. But like, 
make your students sit through the award ceremony. Be kind at the award ceremony. Make yourself sit through the award make ceremony. Make yourself sit through the award I ceremony. I get it. I get it. It's tempting. Yeah. Just, I really do. It's not that I don't understand the feeling of not wanting no, to hang around. But, but it's like, not part of what it is. You got to fight through it. The award ceremony is part of the day. It's part of what we do. You should stay for the whole thing. Yes. Also, there are lots of ways to make it more interesting. Sometimes my students and I will like have like games that we'll be playing while it's happening. Like, like you're, you're trying to count how many people every time that there's a group of people on stage and only one of them is wearing a colored suit. And then we can all like make eye contact with each other. Every time that there's a girl in extemporaneous speaking, uh, you get really excited about that. And just like finding the things that it's make almost the, like award ceremony bingo. Yeah. It's yeah, sort of like solo serious bingo, which I play at, or, mm-hmm. or, or dramatic interpretation at, at a play at nationals. But uh, yeah, there are plenty of ways to make it more interesting for yourself. Also, like when you expect your students to be fully present there, like my students aren't supposed to bring anything with them into the auditorium. You don't need it. You just don't need it. So don't bring it. Um, also, the fact that like Ben takes photos for all the kids that are on stage, so they don't really need to bring their phones with them. Like there are plenty of steps you can put in place to make sure that your students are present. But you also can just be present too. Yeah. Just like be there. It's not, it's literally not that bad. Enjoy it. It's fun. We're it celebrating. Really fun. We're celebrating kids who did something really cool. Guys, that's what we're there to rule. do. Be nice to kids. Yes. Be nice to kids. <laughs> that's what it is. Awesome. Well, but I, that brings us to the end of taboo. With that, yeah, the end of two taboo oh, for the taboo. Nothing tab else is too taboo. Just kidding. Just kidding. So, if you want the stuff we're not even willing to put on the internet, oh, feel free to come and chat with us in an actual tab room sometime, um, or a judge's lounge, or whatever. Just approach us on the street. <laughs> Please don't. I'll be really. If I don't know you or recognize you, you're like, hey. So tell me more about how you think that uh, racism plays into the way that we treat interpreters. I'll be like, mm, excuse you. No, you wouldn't. You'd I, be like, okay, I have thoughts. No, I, w- I would, would have to know how they recognize. Like, if if you, because our faces aren't really like attached to this. So if you don't really know us, like, how do you know what I look like? Also, how do you know where I work? Because the well, only reason I'm leaving my house do, is to go to work. We do both have pretty unique names. I guess. Like, I guess I could have Googled. If you Google us, like we are, but, if you Google Melissa Gabrielson and Kurt Graves, the way we spell our names, we are the people who pop up. Shoot. So. Okay, fine. Yeah. Then like, find me on the street, on the sidewalk outside of my place of work, and I'll chat with you <laughs> about how I think that we don't kick out judges and how there should be a limit on how long you can judge, just like there should be one on how long you can drive. Oh, snap. Inside baseball. (laughs) Um, All right. So just a reminder, this is your final week to tweet at Forensics Faces using the hashtag Wolfsong to receive a free copy of my first audiobook, which is actually just an audible credit. But you're going to want to get the book because it's like one of the five star faves for November. Five star fave. Uh, Forensics Faces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find more info at ForensicsFaces.com and connect with us on, on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensics Faces. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. 